thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up for a Chat, about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Mara. And before you start, I just want you girls to know that I absolutely love you. And it's, you know, I need my girlfriends and yeah. Just doesn't feel the same. I, I want you guys to know that I actually said this, and these two girls lost it. They started crying, and we had to stop the recording. And I said, I want to say it again. I did. I wanted to say it again that I love you absolutely dearly, and that, you know, I, I look forward to these Up for a Chat podcasts. I don't know if anybody else does, but I certainly do. <laughs> we learn a lot, don't we? Yeah, we do learn a lot. Mm. I think it's, you know, that real, um, that real openness, that we share on the show we i mean really it's not just on the show that's who we are you know what you guys hear of us on the show if you came and had dinner with us you'd hear exactly the same thing Mm. and i think it's that real openness and that real vulnerability that makes doing the podcasts awesome and it also makes us miss each other Mm. when we're not around each other because we all have something completely different and unique that we share and 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 this you know who we are it's just a beautiful compliment i was talking about podcasting at my last seminar on the weekend speakers fast track and a a question came up where they said karen if we were to do our own podcast because we were talking about business and how you actually use your message to build a business which i believe all three of us have done really well um and they said you know do you get do you have somebody interview you you know you girls have got three of you and I started thinking about that and I thought, you know, to do a podcast on your own is, is cool, but it's also hard to fill an hour or a half an hour of just your own stuff every week. And then also if you've got somebody interviewing you, that's, that's cool, but the interview constantly is, you know, is probably going to have a time, have a limit on it. And I thought the three of us, there's always something different. There's always something new. There's always a completely different angle or a rabbit hole <laughs> to go down Um with three of us, but I think the thing that makes this show so beautiful, Cindy, is your openness and your willingness to just say that you love us, and then for us to break down and <laughs> dribble snot all over the table and have to stop recording. And have to stop recording because there's no freaking tissues anywhere. But I think that that's the beautiful thing is that there's so much love and respect mm. between the three of us. You know, we all look up to each other and just adore each other, mm-hmm. and life without each other would not be worth living. See, we, and you know what? That's why we had to stop the recording. Um, and I, I would like to talk about this. We had to stop the recording because Kim started to get really upset. And Kim was nearly in an accident a couple of weeks ago where she was on the wrong side of the road in a very dark um, highway that she didn't realise she was on and she nearly had a head on. And it's really affected Kim. Mm. And we were just having a little bit of a chat and Kim got so upset and... I don't know exactly what happened, but both Karen and I said we would never be able to do Up for a Chat without Kim. If she died, that would be the end of Up for a Chat for us because this is our sacred space. This is the three of us. It's not Karen and I. It's not you two. It's it's not you and I, Kim. This is our sacred space, and we need each other. And, and I do. I feel like my arm's being taken off. And, you know... That's where we had to stop this recording, and we've actually deleted it because it was quite an emotional time that we all had to get through. 
um, and and talk it through as girlfriends do. And and we have talked it through and you're getting the brief on it. <laughs> and there's still no tissues. Can I just say? <laughs> I'm crying again. There's still no damn tissues. I'm using my dress. <laughs> I think... I think what's hard is when you are confronted with your mortality mm. all of a sudden. I thought I was okay. You know, I really, I didn't do it on purpose, obviously. I, I left the sparkle at midnight on a high, so it's not like I was tired. Um, I drove out of the road and I had beautiful Sarah in the car with me and she was Googling where we were going, so it's not like we were... Um, exhausted or anything, you know, we're both on a high. I was looking out for kangaroos because that's what you do in Australia because there's it's Jurassic Park when you drive over here at night. And, and I pulled out of this dark highway, onto the highway, and... Was from a side road, from wasn't it? From a side it? road. Mm. Driving along and then someone flashed their lights and I thought, oh gosh, my lights aren't on. So I checked and they were on and then the second person flashed their lights and I thought... And I flashed them back and went, they're not on full beam. (laughs) (laughs) And then when a third person flashed their lights, I thought, oh, my gosh, there's an accident up ahead, all the police. So I actually slowed down to about 80 k's, thankfully, because then around the corner came this car. Well, I thought it was a motorbike because it only had one headline. And we both had to swerve each other to avoid a head-on. And Sarah was thinking, what an idiot. I was thinking, what an idiot. He's trying to... I mean, I'm not laughing, but I'm thinking here we were calling him the idiot. And I then went... I don't know even know. I, I kind of must have gone into a bit of shock because I actually don't remember what happened next How? when it hit me that I was on the wrong side of the road. How did you realise you were on the I wrong side know. of the road? I don't know. I can't find that moment in my memory. Right. But I remember looking... I remember just saying to Sarah, shit! She swore. I think I actually said something else. But... <laughs> That was the polite version. But I went, oh, my gosh, I'm on the wrong side of the road. And she went, what? And all I remember her saying is, turn around, turn around. And I quickly turned around. I don't know how how fast. I don't know what I did. What do you mean you turned around? Well, I turned to to face the same way that I should have been on. So I was on a dual highway, but I was on the wrong side of the road. So I turned around to... um, (laughs) So I turned around to, to to be going the right way. Oh, I see. Mm. So you mm. weren't just in the wrong lane. No, I was on There was a, me- a median strip in the middle, but and there's no all lane. trees, mm. and I thought the trees were oh, the side of the road. Kim, I just realised what you... I just see what you've said. Okay, so mm. when you came out of the side road, mm. you didn't go across the wrong side and then onto the right no. side. You just turned straight onto the wrong side. Yeah. And you wouldn't have known because there were trees in between the two... Mm. The whole Like as the median strip. Mm. Oh, sweet pea. So then I turned around and... So you would have had to do like a three-point turn to... <laughs> yeah, I don't... I honestly don't know. I'd have to ask Sarah. And she's going, it's okay, it's okay, we're alive, we're okay, it's okay. And I'm going, holy heck, what did I just... I was so upset with myself. I see. And then she was going, it's okay. And then I don't know how long we drove for to turn back around. But the whole way home, I know she was gone... She'd gone into, oh, phew, we're okay, it's all good. Whereas inside, I was going, how did I do that? What was I thinking, you know, and that whole horrible... And I think the, you you saw it as wiping out two mothers. I did. Of five children. Yeah. And you don't know who was in the other way. You don't know who was on the other way. It could have been a father, a mother. And or... I get it. My logic sits there and goes, Kim, you're fine. You're here. Obviously, it wasn't your time. I even put a... I woke I didn't sleep that night hardly at all. I mm. went to bed sobbing. Thankfully, Sarah fell asleep, but I just... 
lay there sobbing at the enormity of it. Maybe it wouldn't have been so bad if she hadn't been in the car because it would have just been me. But anyway, then I I woke up. I even put a post on Facebook just at how grateful I was to wake up. And then, um, yeah. And, and it was only when you said, I love my girlfriend, <laughs> that all of a sudden I thought, I'm, and when you were saying, you know, I'm Karen Smith, I'm Kim Morris, I was like, yeah, I'm actually really glad I'm here. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. So, yeah, I just that how quickly things like that happen and it's amazing when you have a close shave like that what happens consciously and unconsciously because how long ago was that that you did 10 days 10 days ago yeah 11 days Mm. isn't that amazing that the emotion of that just comes to the surface Mm. when you least expect it Mm. and it's been probably sitting there bubbling and doing its thing underneath the surface and then it just comes to the surface when you least expect it and I guess that's what is that post-traumatic stress syndrome? Is that what happens? With well, it's, it's 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 like you're trying to reconcile it now. Mm. You know, we kind of go into shock initially where we can't reconcile it, and it's almost like that the 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 us that is normally here leaves the room for that period of time. And it would be really interesting to for you to actually reflect back on the last ten days mm. and see whether you felt particularly present in the last ten days. Because it's quite likely that you've probably been a little not here. How have you felt? How have you felt over the last 10 days? Have you felt like you've been here I've, and not here and well, here and not here? I think I've gone the other way where I touch my children all the time or I, yeah. you know, I'm, I, I think. Yeah. <laughs> With my mind. You know what? Well, that, I would yeah. agree. This is the thing. Do you have much memory no. of what you've done over well, the last 10 days? You, can, you, you yeah. asked me what I did on the weekend. I can't remember. I don't know. And see, isn't this amazing? Mm. Well, this is, this is really, I think this is really fascinating. Mm. Really fascinating. Because the you that's normally here, mm. when we're in that state of shock, and sometimes it can be a day, 10 days or 10 years, it really it varies for each person in the severity of the experience. But the you that's normally here is actually not here, which is why you don't have a great deal of memory about it because the normal person who's normally here Mm. hasn't been here. You've almost been... This is really quite rabbit holeish if you're ready to, to even think about it, but the, the, the person that's been here has been the part of you that's the actual most aware, most vulnerable, most real, most present version of yourself has actually been here over the last 10 days mm. the real you the most authentic version of yourself to, it, and language almost can't describe what has been present over the last 10 days our language is really limited mm. but the most aware version of yourself has actually been what's been present and the usual version of yourself has not been here which is why the usual version of yourself can't actually get a memory really because it hasn't been here you know, it's really interesting because I rang Kim because um, it's her birthday coming up and I'm trying to, for the whole week, I said, right, what, what, can we do it Monday? Can we yeah. do it Tuesday? Can we do it Wednesday? Can we do it Thursday? Can we do it Friday? No, we can't do it. You know, all right, next week, let's do it. And it was really interesting because normally you would always find a time, Kim. You would you would make time. But what you what I noticed was that you wanted to be with your children. So um, Jacob had a, a something on Wednesday night and um, she said, you know, that, that's what I wanted to go do. And I said something about, I'll, I'll come, you know, I'll come. And I went, oh, I can't come, I've got something on. And, and for the first time ever you went, no, I need to focus on, on what Jacob's doing. And I'm like going, but you can do two things at once. You can talk to me and you can focus on Jacob. You know, I was trying to get my little way in there. And it was really, oh, yeah, and it was really interesting. And then I said, well, we'll do it next week. And you went, 
and then we couldn't find something next week. And then uh, I went, usually we can find something. It's almost like you're in a heightened state of awareness. Mm. And in that heightened state of awareness, all of the um, unimportant, and I don't mean to say you're unimportant. (laughs) I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I mean all all of the life and death things. When you think about if... All, all the important stuff, the priority stuff, the life and death things, absolutely take complete and utter priority. Everything else becomes um, secondary to the most important things when you're in that state of height, heightened awareness. Mm. Amazing. Is that what is that what happened for you? With I mean, that's even totally. Bigger, but with Bali, totally. I was in a state of heightened awareness for like twelve months, and I have absolutely. I mean, I have vague memories. But, yeah, at least 12 months. I have vague, vague memories inside of that 12 months, but only the things that were life and death important had priority in my day mm. and had priority in my life, and that was my family. Um, bottom line, that was it, just my family. And, and do you think that this is the way we should live? Well, you know, it's questionable, and, and I always, for, my, for myself, because I was in that state of heightened awareness for such a prolonged period of time, I became quite familiar with it. But I think that um, my answer to the question is yes, and that's that's my answer to it, because that's where we're most aware. It's that's where we're most in control. That's where we're most clear. That's where we're, there's no there's no um, there's no blurred lines between what what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. There's no there's no blurred lines around that. So um, we just have to be very clear about um, you know where we want to. Uh, you know, position, you know, what we want to experience in this life. And I think that when we're in that state of heightened awareness, we know. We know what's important. Yeah, yeah. And we put our attention to it and there's no, there's no, there's no discussion about it. There's no, there's no negotiating about it. Whereas in a normal way of being, we're worrying about the past, we're worrying about the future, we're getting involved with stuff that doesn't matter, we're spending time with things, uh, you know, on things that um, have no importance and no consequence, no substance. You know, we get involved in all that sort of stuff on a day-to-day basis and we wonder where our life goes. But when we're in that state of heightened awareness like you were, Kim, in the last 10 days or 11 days, only the things that matter are important. But then, you know, life comes back and we go back Mm. into our habituated way of being and we almost forget that state of heightened awareness. But in that state of heightened awareness, it's where we had the most quality of life. Wow. You know, we, they, you know, we're distracted, very. aren't we, all the time? Yeah, very. Um, like my daughters say, or one of my daughters says to me, you didn't really hear what I said, did you, Mum? Because <laughs> you're not there. <laughs> because I make up some answer <laughs> to a question she didn't ask. She goes, you didn't hear me. I went, uh, yeah, I did, because my mind is... Where's my mind? It's elsewhere. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's somewhere else. Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, that same state of heightened awareness, when somebody passes away, Mm -hmm. um, when we have massive, you know, impacts like you've just had, Kim, that's when we go into those states of heightened awareness. You think about it when somebody that you love has been lost, that same state of heightened awareness is what follows over the the following days or weeks or what Mm -hmm. have you, where you become very clear. And, And it's, you know, you become very very clear on the meaning of life. I'd, I'd love to tell you a story, Karen, about something that is very, a little bit similar to what happened with Kim. Um, that I, I believe I did that for quite some time after it. 
So um, we went travelling around Australia, my family and, and I, you know, Howard and I and the kids, and we went for two years and we had many adventures. And we had, you, you hear from other people where are the best places to go and somebody had said that Karanjini National Park was an amazing place in Western Australia and that we should go. And so we parked at Karanjini National Park and we were with another family of five, so there was ten of us there. And what Karanjini National Park is, is it's out in the desert and it's it's like flat land and then you come to these amazing gorges. Just, they're stunning and there's just, they go forever and they wind everywhere and there's walks everywhere. So what we did was we decided to do every gorge and every walk and everything we could do and we you know the kids and I and Howard we get through the walks in 40 minutes and they said they'd be three to four hours of walking and we go wow you know we can get through these so much faster than most people can get through them so we decided to tackle a really um, what they said was a hard walk and it was walking through this amazing gorge jumping off this type of cliff into the water and going from water to cliff um, and and just going through rocks and through water and we had floats, we had everything. So there was five children and three adults. And we were told that it was going to be, um, I think they said a four-hour travel. So because we'd been doing everything fast, we thought we've got two hours. We could do it in two hours. So I put a couple apples in the back of my backpack um, we didn't take any warm clothes. Now, this is winter in the in the desert, so it's hot in the day, freezing at night. The water was freezing. So we would we jumped off the cliff where there was no point of no return. You have to then keep going and then get out another way. And we were told, just keep going until you get to the Screel Slope and then walk out. And we'd been going six hours. Oh, my God, I'd be sick. Oh. We, we'd been going six oh. hours. <laughs> Jeez. Five kids, three adults. And oh, it's it's like uh, we'd started at 11, oh. and six hours later went out at 5 o'clock. Sun's gone off the gorge. There. It's it's beginning oh, to freeze. Yeah, it's, I'm covered. You're covered in goosebumps yeah. too. It's beginning to get really cold, no. and my husband's hurt his back. Um, the kids are freezing. My son was amazing. He just took over um, looking after Tania. Now Tania's seven. You know, my son is is barely eleven. I think at this point, like you know, it's it's a really really scary time, and we actually end up. Finding the gorge increases a little bit. Still not at the screel slope. Five o'clock. Um, the mother of the other family is to meet us somewhere, and we're not there. And she's beginning to. I, we find out later, beginning to wonder what has happened to these guys. So um, I remember looking at my husband in sheer terror, going, "You know, we're going to die. You know, it gets to minus two degrees in winter, and we have a pair of togs on." Did the kids know? No, the kids You're didn't know. Okay. No. And he I just remember looking at him and he looks at me and he goes, Don't you dare. You know, he really pointed the finger at me and said, Don't you dare lose it at this point because we cannot have you losing it. So I went, Right, he's told me not to lose it. Fine, I won't lose it. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Yet, just wait. And we're all, we're all shaking. We're freezing. We're absolutely freezing. And we come to this point where we go across the rocks and the sun is still on the on the wall of the gorge. So we move towards it and I get the kids up there just to get them on the warmth of the gorge to warm them up. And I start huddling with them. 
In the meantime, we've sent the one father, the other father that's with us, um, he's gone off and he says, I'm going to find the Skrill Slope. Now, he's gone nearly an hour, so it's getting cold, it's getting dark. We are... Oh, and I am, I'm going... Wolf Creek. This is Wolf Creek. Oh, no. And, and, you know, we're on our travels around Australia. We've been going 10 months. We're having the most amazing time. And I'm thinking, this is where it's going to end. This is, And I thought, they're going to have to get choppers in. How are they going to find us? You know, I just... You had nothing on you? Nothing on us. Nothing. No food. Uh, at least we had water to drink. We had no clothes on. No mobile phone. No mobile phone. Nothing. No because we were jumping into water and we knew this. Yeah, yeah. So we're jumping into water. So we, anyway, he comes back and he says, I found the squirrel slope. And he says, it's just around the corner. So what he had done is he'd walked out, made sure, because he didn't want us all walking out. Yeah. Because you've got to realise we're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. There was nothing around, you know, not many campers. Um, and, it, you know, it is it is the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So finally we do get out. And Howard and I um, go to bed that night. We both don't sleep. No way. You couldn't have. No, we couldn't sleep. But I, I remember um, we hightailed out of there pretty fast. I said, I don't want to get out of here. I don't want to yeah. stay. I don't want to stay anymore. I just need to get out of yeah, here. Yeah, because you had this just dreadful yeah. experience. But I remember a, a clarity, a... Um, I don't know, that, that, that whole thing I think that you went through and that, oh, what have I done? I'm nearly, you know, I nearly killed my family and, and that whole, that whole build up thing. And I still think about it. I still mm. think about it, but I don't think about it in any other way that it was meant to happen. We were meant to learn something out of it. We were meant to be a little bit more careful because then we end up in the Kimberleys and, um, we were trying to decide whether we were going to drive through this area and we ended up not doing it. And maybe that saved our life maybe. in the end. And maybe, Kim, what will happen is that this has happened to you and in, in let's say, five years' time you're coming out on a side road and, and it's lines of traffic and this time you'll really, really think about it mm. and that may save your life. Mm. You don't, you know, we don't know the whole story. We don't know why you went through that experience, and it may be to save your life in five years' time. Mm. You know, and that's the whole thing. You know, you've heard that parable of we just don't know the whole story. It's not good. It's not bad. It just happened. Mm. You know, when I think about that, if because I'm sitting here thinking to myself, for the story that you just told us there, Cindy, is that it, it gives you perspective. It shifts your perspective from one of, um, you know, just going in and experiencing these beautiful gorges mm. and you know it's the perspective is that it's just it's it's just an adventure when really present of mind being present to the moment is what's most crucial and that experience that you had in the gorge there really brought you to the present moment it really brought present <laughs> of mindness to us as did Kim's experience it brought you very much into the present moment very much of presence of mind and I, and I just wonder if these experiences, as traumatic as they are, gosh, I just wonder if there's not higher, you know, there, there, there's not more to the picture in that our presence of mind is the answer to everything because it's the presence of mind is, the, is what you're left with for the days and the weeks afterwards for however long that, that period lasts for until we get back into the distraction of life. But isn't presence of mind where... Um, where everything is, everything exists, like in the present moment, that's where everything is. And if we lose our presence of mind because we're distracted, we run the risk of losing our lives. My only isn't there a relationship only, between the two of that? My only thought around that though is my presence of mind was 
in fear. Cindy's water, like you just said, you change perspective. So one minute she's walking through the gorge, they're having a nice time. Yeah. Then there's a little bit of fear. Like, yeah. are we going to get out of here? And then there was, holy heck, and he's told her to stop it. Yeah. Is that presence of mind based on fear now then? Like, you're really present, but you're present because you've had a fright or you're... Well, that, well that's a really good question. Does fear bring presence of mind? No, because fear actually... Well, I'm, and I'm thinking about this and figuring it out as we're talking. Fear is something... Fear occurs when we're frightened of something happening in the future. Fear is never about something that's occurring in the present because in the present moment, all there is is just presence and, um, and, and being with whatever's there in that particular moment. So fear occurs when we're worrying about something happening in the, mo- in the future. So she would have been fearful that her and her family wouldn't have gotten out. She would have been imagining being stuck there for the night. She would have been imagining the freezing and dying in the cold and all of that, so what she would have been imagining. Therefore, the fear was not about the present. The fear was about worrying about the future. Mm-hmm. The presence of mind comes after the experience where you become very present to the fact that you weren't present. Yes. So perhaps the lesson in those experiences from a much grander perspective is that when we are up when we are present that's where the important things in life take place. We're present to we're present to the moment, we're present in the moment, therefore experiencing life. When we're not present to the moment, we're not experiencing life and we're distracted from life, therefore run certain risks, I guess. Well, I don't know. I'm just trying to make sense of yeah. it as we're talking through it. Well, when you went through the Bali bombing, mm. you said that, you know, that um, number one, you wanted to stay alive. Mm. Number two, you had more clarity than you'd ever had mm. in, the, you know, the year before. Oh, well, all my life. All your life. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's and, and maybe that's what you're getting, Kim, is some clarity in. The freaky thing is, as I, as I say in a lot of my talks that night, I said, you know, do we? I always say to people, you know, be grateful for your legs, be grateful for your hair, be grateful. Mm. You know, we can find fault with everything. And and one of my things I always say when people say they don't like their legs is, well, you know enjoy them because what if I was going to turn around to you and say you were going to have a head-on accident and you'd lose the use of your legs now I'd said that that night mm. and I remember in the moment of saying that Wowza. in the moment of saying that I remember thinking gosh I hope that never really happens but it's to bring impact it's because I think of it every time I say it mm. and I've had moments where I've been driving down a highway on the right side of the road um where I've imagined a head-on, and I've always in the past thought, oh my gosh, law of attraction, oh my yeah, gosh, don't, don't, think, about don't think about it, try and block it out. And we talked about that last week, about let block that out. Mm. But what I've learned is allow it in, mm. or allow it just to be. Mm. And for me, it's meant be aware. Like I've always looked at that as a sign of being more aware. What has freaked me out over this experience is how I actually did that. How did I do that? How did I... Because you actually do know to cross over. Mm. Well, I, or you I, wouldn't have even seen that the, there was another lane there, though. I you didn't. I didn't it. see it. And the road, yeah. I think, did a... You, I mean, the only other time I've done something so stupid... Oh, love, you can't say that that's stupid. You can't say that Remember, that's it's not good, it's do. not bad, it just is. And it may be saving your life in five years. It may be... 
you, like this is what everybody does. They name something it's bad or it's good. And something may happen to you that you think is good, but it ends up creating something that, that you might think that is bad. Do you see what I mean, Kimmy? Like everything that happens to us happens, as Karen says, it happens for a reason. And I think the important thing is to not look at the the, the, the driving on the wrong side of the road. The important thing is to look at how did you what, what how did you experience life after that? Because the driving on the wrong side of the road was and was a, let's say it's a lesson, mm. and then how did you how have you been experiencing life as a result of that? That's what's important. Mm. That's the real blessing. That's mm. the real gift. Like when somebody passes, definitely that's a very difficult time, and the grieving. And once the grieving is has, has you know you complete with the grieving, the important thing is to look at how you're experiencing life after that, mm. because everything has a purpose and everything serves a purpose in our life if we choose to live that way. Everything serves a purpose in our life. Therefore, what's what's the what's the magic that's come as a result of that experience? And the magic that's come as a result of that experience is absolute awareness mm. at the and highest level mm. and priorities. Well, I remember the last time I did something that shocked me as much as this was. I don't know if I've shared it on the podcast before, but Jacob was only two weeks old. Have um, I shared? That? I don't know, but if sh- I know which one you're talking about, well, I don't know the story. Yes, so Jacob do was, it. Jacob yeah. was two weeks old, and Taylor was sixteen months, seventeen months old. So I had a brand new baby and a little toddler, and exhausted mother. You know, just everything was. Neither of them was sleeping that well, and I wasn't sleeping that well. And Danny had just gone away, and I decided being the superwoman that I was, that I would accept this invitation to go to a baby naming ceremony. So I thought I could do it by myself with two young children on lack of sleep and and I could do it. So I took myself to this baby naming ceremony with both my kids crying and and me sitting there thinking, why did I come? I must be driving everyone insane. So I ended up leaving early because I was so upset that none of us were happy. Why did I make myself do it? I don't know. Driving home, and many newborn mothers will appreciate this, both the children fell asleep in the car, and it was such a relief. It was just so quiet. And I pulled into the garage, shut the garage door, and I thought, I'll just leave the car on for a few minutes longer, because the minute I stopped the car, they were awake. Unbeknown to me, as I turned off the car, I closed my eyes and fell asleep instantly. The only thing that saved us was my cat jumping in the window and landing on my lap and woke me up. And And she knew... I woke up. He, he, he woke. I woke up, going, "What's that smell?" And realised I had the garage door shut, the windows all down, and I'm. Can you imagine what that? What everyone would have thought? Why did she kill it? Like it looked like a planned. Like it would have looked like a planned suicide. And I still to this day think how many exhausted mothers do things like dropping babies or putting. I've heard of women that put the the baby on the roof of the car and drive off because they've forgotten that they've put it on the the bonnet of the car or the roof of the car or they've. We just, when we're exhausted or when we're not present or whatever. And I remember my awareness after that was I never complained about being tired again because mm. I just thought fatigue is okay, but I learnt from that. When you're exhausted, don't go out. You don't have to go out. You don't have to be anywhere, actually. Why did I think it was important to go to that? Mm. I think when I, when I finished in Perth, I think the next day I had, I, you know, texted the children to make sure they're on the bus and and they're like doing their normal thing yeah mum yeah all good like this and Sarah had rung her kids and they're all mummy mummy we missed you we missed oh my god mummy we can't wait for you to come home oh my god you're coming home and there was this whole conversation and I rang mine like yeah yeah good 
yeah, no, also work on the bus. <laughs> and I went, oh my gosh, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm creating such independent children <laughs> that they don't need me at all. And anyway, so I got home, and as I was tucking them both into bed, I said to them, I just want to ask you a question. When you get tucked into bed at night, do you feel loved? Are you, do, do you feel like you get enough? Is, is, is everything that we're doing as your parents enough? Like, are you okay? And I think they both looked at me like, oh, God, what trip she on? <laughs> <laughs> Does she have a new oil? <laughs> and they're both going, yeah. And I went, okay, well, that's cool. Because then I was thinking, oh, Kim, you're just being a drama queen. But I just went, okay, I just want you to know that everything I do is for you. And that I'm just so grateful I'm here. And and I just, if anything ever happened to me, I want you to know that I've lived my life to the fullest and having you two has been oh, the greatest gift, you know. She's glossed it again. <laughs> oh, darling Kim. You know, I, I, I'm going to tell another story while Kim gathers herself. She's really, it's, 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 it's really affected her, you can tell. I haven't seen Kim like this, you know, for quite a long time. And, yeah, for a long time, Kim. Um, when Brogan was so about two years of age, he, um, he was playing outside and I was watching him play. And I've only just told him this story and he's now 24, 25 this year. And he was playing outside, and in those days, I don't remember pool fences, so there was no pool fence around the pool. And what ended up happening was that I was watching him go to the pool, pull out water out of the pool and, and water the garden. And, and I watched him do this for ages and ages and ages, and then I had uh, a distraction. And I didn't, I wasn't watching him. I have no idea what happened. I don't know what happened in that moment. And then I remembered and I looked out and I couldn't see him and he was at the bottom of the pool. Oh, my gosh. Mm. So I went, I went flying out the door, pulled him out of the pool. He'd only obviously just got in there, pulled him out of the pool. And, and I remember feeling exactly like you did, Kimmy. And for quite a while, actually, um, my heart would go, my gosh, I nearly lost my son. My, you know, my baby. And I told Brogan about it um, recently, and he said, I didn't know that, Mum. And I went, no, I haven't told many people. And now everybody knows. But, <laughs> you know, distractions are not good. They can mean the, li the life of a person uh, or a child. Um, they're just... I, I think that, that this podcast is about that we have to be present, and if we're not present, disasters can happen. And they say that one of the worst accidents that happen are distractions. And so while we're making phone calls and trying to be busy people all the time, then maybe it's time to just slow down a little bit as to what we're doing. But what about... What about um, I, I understand that from being responsible from our point of view, but let's say we are being aware and attentive, and let's say... Some fool's coming down the highway on the, on wrong, the wrong side, side of the road. road. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, what helps you be able to save Brogan and another mother who might have taken another 30 seconds to realise it, that her child is not safe? What, what is... But I think that's where you've got to... I think that's where we've got to accept that there are powers that are greater than us that determine when we arrive and when we leave. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I think there's a certain amount of surrender that is required because without it, you, you know, we there are th- certain things in life that we can't control. Mm. They're just they're, they're just not they're just outside of our reach. But I think that there's a huge lesson in all of this, in that life shows us contrast, and the contrast is distraction versus presence. And when we have presence of mind, then we have, um, I don't know, when we have presence of mind, we're participating. When we're aware in the moment and we're present in the moment, we're participating in what life has in that moment. And when we're distracted, trying to do 10 things at a time, then we're not participating in what life has for us in that moment. And then, of course, we put our moments at risk. But Isn't I it? find if I put myself really present in the moment, yeah, like right here, right now, mm. I could lose it and in the sense the, that I am so, like you saying, like if I'm really, like even a, even a flower can bring me to tears when I'm really present to the <laughs> majesticness of it. Mm. I can be brought to tears by a piece of music in the car. I can be brought to tears when I put my rose oil on. Just when I really think about how that rose grew was then distilled and then bottled over in Bulgaria and then brought out to Australia and finally it's on my skin like when I really become present in those moments it's incredibly emotive and exhausting no (laughs) (laughs) but isn't it but 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 isn't it far more isn't isn't life then far much more um it's, it's juicy, it has texture, it has structure, it has flavour, it has, it, has um, it, it becomes an experience when we're actually in the moment. And I'm not suggesting that I'm always in the moment because I'm so bloody not. But in when we are in the moment, just what you explained then about a rose, that's where life has its texture. That's where it has the experience of, 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 of the beauty of a rose. And if that creates an emotional response, then that's who we are. That's our most authentic, that's our most aware and heightened version of who we are in that moment. And when you're in the very present moment admiring Jacob or admiring Taylor and you're in the very present moment admiring the structure of their skin, admiring the texture of their hair and admiring what you created in that moment, no doubt it comes with an, with an emotional response. Sorry, I'm just going to keep talking through this because if I don't, I'm going to sob my way through the whole damn podcast. So, <laughs> but isn't, it, isn't, that where the, isn't that where the beautiful experience of life actually lives? And we miss it because we don't stop to admire the magic of the moment and what's present in the moment. Like what's present in this moment is very, it's, it's a very emotional experience just in this moment. But if we try and pretend that it's not there or we try to distract ourselves by it, because I believe that's the contrast. We've either got presence or we've got distraction and most of us live in distraction. And in distraction, we put our moments at risk. And I think that the, the beautiful part about being present in the moment and if we can be present to more moments rather than unconscious and distracted to more moments, will actually milk the magic of what life has for us to offer. And also then I believe, I really believe, that's where our priorities are. 
That's where we become really clear about the perspective of what's real in this life and what's not real in this life and what we should be processing, what we should be putting our time and energy into and what we're wasting our time and energy onto. And then there's no necessity for us to try and be these super women or try and do everything because we're not really doing it anyway. You know, we're putting the moments at risk. I don't know. That's just my perspective on it. And, you know, I, I believe that some people don't feel what you feel, Kim. Really? No, I don't. Yeah, They're they so distracted by their past. Mm. So preoccupied and with preoccupied the with the future that they never spend that moment to when they're putting even their perfume on or their, you know, which most people do, not their rose oil. <laughs> mm. But when they're doing that, they're not thinking about those things. And I actually think it's a real gift that you you are able to do that. Um, I know for me, when my sister passed away, uh, I remember um, just a couple of months later being in a field of butterflies and being in that moment and, mm. and watching the texture of those butterflies and things like that. But it's so few and far between that I get to do this. It really is. And, and when you think about what life was like just 200 years ago even for the Aboriginal, let's say, so a hunter-gatherer, their whole thing was to find food and to go and walk about. Uh, and they had a very spiritual life and a very healing life and a very in-the-present-moment life. And, you know, they, they didn't do a lot of talking, apparently, through walkabout because it was, it was their quiet time. We don't have quiet time anymore. We don't have that. that um, and and I, I, don't, I don't know, a lot of people listening to this might be thinking, well, I don't want to be a hunter-gatherer, but that was where we came from. That was how we used to be. But because of the distractions of life and let's make more money or let's produce something else or let's get to the next place or let's look forward to the next trip or what about that new car? I don't know. We just, I don't think we have this presence of mind anymore. And I think it's actually um, something that we maybe need to come back to. And meditation is one of those ways that we come back to that. Mm. I know when I'm meditating and and I've stopped meditating with words because I always thought that that's what I needed was words I've stopped meditating with words because the words distract me and then I go somewhere else Mm. so I'm actually meditating with harmonics at the moment so beautiful it's just amazing where are you getting that? well I I went to listen to Eben Alexander speak and Eben Alexander is a guy that had a near death experience in his book's name's Proof of Heaven and I was listening to him speak um, along with another lady by the name of Karen Neuendorf Karen Neuendorf, is it? That Karen Neuendorf, doesn't No, no, she? not that Karen. Not the Karen we know on the Sunshine Coast, right. but another Karen. And it may be Newman or something like that. Maybe I've just brought Karen's name up. But um, she is the one that loves harmonics and has gone to the sacred places of the world and figured out the harmonics of the sacred places of the world. And, of course, of Om as well. So Om's a lot in, in these harmonics. And I downloaded, you know, the whole lot. And they do have a verbal and a non-verbal, and I don't like the verbal. I only listen to the non-verbal. So where is this? What's this, what's this website? Oh, I'm going to have to tell you, aren't I? Um, and it's on the phone, and we're recording on the phone. Never so, mind. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll pop it tell on everybody. But I'm finding that by using this, I have... Um, my mind goes blank mm. and I have this um, amazing feeling 
and I I can't express what the feeling is, Mm. but it is one of my favourite places to be at the moment. And I love life. I have no, Mm. you know, I don't, I I don't regret anything, you know, because people regret life and people regret what they did. And I don't have that. But what I do have is that when I get in that moment, when I am in that present moment and I have those harmonics around me and I have my headphones on, it's it's magic. It's absolute magic that Mm. I, that I, I feel now. Uh, and you so you feel that in nature. You can. You, you feel, like it, you like feel it. it. You can feel it when you watch a newborn being born. I mean, I've been at births and had that feeling of my own births. I've had that feeling. I think I, I want to ask you both. Do you think it's, um, you know, we always say we're a, a spiritual being living a human life. You know how we're yeah, yeah, saying yeah. that. Well, I'm just wondering, are we actually more emotional beings? Like, I mean, I get that. We are energy, aren't we? Well, I just, I just everything comes back. To, even our behaviours are partly based on, or mainly based on our emotions. If you're feeling yuck and horrible, you're going to have a yuck and horrible day. If you're feeling, you know, look at someone who's head over heels in love. They're just like mm-hmm. nothing mm. can do them wrong. Nothing phases them. No one can hurt them. No one can upset them. No one can distract them. They are just thinking of nothing but that person. Um, as a mother, you. I think the minute you conceive, you don't stop thinking subconsciously of, of a child. Um, but do you think that the emotions of who we are actually drives our behaviours? Is that fair to say? Is it our emotional state? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, there's a lot of controversy around whether the thought begins the emotion or the emotion creates the thought. Um, and from the research that I've done, it starts with the thought, then the emotion's created, then the behaviour follows the emotion. So that's kind of like the flow chart of, of, mm. of what occurs. Um, but there is emotion around most things, and when there's an emotional response, there's also a memory created. So it's, you know, when there's no emotion present... We don't remember the experience. It's just an experience. That's why you can look back on your childhood and only remember certain strike points where something significant happened. Mm. Like you'll never forget what happened in Perth. You'll always remember that because it had such an emotional charge through it. Um, And there are certain, you know, strike points throughout our lives that we remember, but we don't remember the day-to-day stuff because the day-to-day stuff, one, we weren't there. We were Mm. too busy worrying about the past or the present, so we weren't actually present to the moment, so we couldn't remember it anyway. But also there was no emotional charge to that moment. So, of course, we don't have a memory around it. So our emotions definitely play a hugely significant part about how our life is created and then how our, our life is remembered. Um, you know, I guess the challenging part around that is that our emotions are a result of the thoughts that we have and the meanings that we're giving to a particular experience. So... Some two people will have the same experience. Like you just look at yourself and Sarah in the car in Perth there. Sarah created a different meaning Mm. out of that experience to what you did. But the experience in and of itself was the same. So Sarah's recollection of that experience will be very different to your recollection of it. So each one of us has a different way that we ascribe meaning to each experience. Therefore, that then creates our life. And it creates the way that we respond to our life and, you know, all of that, which is, the, again, the magical richness and the texture of, of, of life and the contrast between two people even, you know. 
So I think that the important thing is to make sure that if we are giving meaning to our experiences, which then drive our emotions and therefore drive our behaviours, it's very important that we create meanings that inspire us. We create meanings that, that, that have us develop and become more and, and learn from those experiences in a way that empowers us and, and, and has us really appreciate, as you do, Kim, the, the, the beauty of what life has to offer us. And some are more. Some people are more emotional, and some people are less emotional. But ultimately, it still creates the texture of that person's life. And being present to the texture in the moment is really where the magic is. Mm. It's really where the beauty is. And nobody can say that one person's life is better than another person's life. Or it's just different. We just experience life differently based on the meanings that we give to things. And I think that's where it's really important that we give powerful meanings to things. And regardless of what the experience actually is, it, we can have it give us a meaning that's going to break us down or we can have it give us a meaning that's going to empower us and inspire us to become more and expand us. And I really believe that that's the invitation in every moment. And if we're able to be present in every moment, then we can accept that invitation. That's so beautiful. Mm. I was just thinking, you know, some people create meanings that destroy their lives. They absolutely destroy their lives. So mm. I think of my mm. sister and my brother and I. So we were born, brought up in the same household, doing the same things. And my sister said oh, I, that her childhood was horrible. And my brother yeah, and I thought it was true, a fantasy. We thought we had the best childhood. It was amazing. And then I look at my sister. She's not here. You know, seven years ago yesterday, she passed away. And, and I, I often think meanings can destroy your health, destroy your life, destroy your relationships. And I, I have someone very close to me at the moment that is putting meaning on things that are not there, that, that in her mind they are. Yeah. But we look at it and we go... I don't get how you get that. And I'm not getting that. And it's very real for the person. Oh, very real. It's very real. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it really comes down to everything that we talk about because we put a meaning on something. And as you were just saying before, it, whatever that meaning is generates a world of thoughts and what starts in the mind manifests in the body. Mm. So, you know, as much as, you know, you can look at it from both perspectives. You can have an experience that, is potentially very traumatic and soul-destroying, which then, you know, when we give it that meaning, we then respond to life or we respond to our lives like, you know, we've just had a very traumatic and a soul-destroying experience. And then ultimately the more we replay that, the more we relive that, the more that we indulge in that disempowering way of seeing the experience as opposed to being present to what else is possible, the more we indulge in the negativity of it, of course, what starts in the mind is going to man manifest in the body, which then, of course, is going to make us sick. And then, you know, you go down the medical path and, you know, and, and so begins the whole story. Alternatively, we can look at every experience as having a meaning that empowers us. And, you know, my advice, and I'm not perfect at this, so please don't see this. This is just idyllic for me as well. But my advice is to say, see the experience for what it is, but then to look at what's, what did it create afterwards? What did we become afterwards? And if we became completely present, if we, came, if we found ourselves in a state of heightened awareness of being able to appreciate every moment of stroking your children's hair and blooming a rose and, you know, became 
totally connected to the realness of life. That's what that experience was actually designed for. That's what it was designed to bring us back to because that's where life is happening. It's happening in the moment. Mm. So if it brought us back to the presence of mind, our job is to hang on to that for all that we're worth and to never get distracted again if that's even a possibility. <laughs> Just not sure that's going to work. In practicalities, I seem to be distracted all the time. I know. But at, at least it's worth the discussion of this. And and then it may bring someone to that present moment that's that's important for them and what that moment gave to them and what it did for you, Kim, and what you know moments have done for for what I feel in my life. Um, and Karen's, you know, she's had a few moments. You know, my brother um, did a. I don't know if I've even talked about it on on this podcast, but my brother did a documentary. He created a documentary called "What Ate My Mother and Will It Eat Me," and it addresses this exact issue because he talks about, you know, the life that we had and the good food and and what my mum was like, um, but the grief that my mum had as a result of the death of so many family members. And he, he pins it down to, you know, it's a whole hour of could it have been this, could it have been this, could it have been this, and it gets down to that what my mum felt emotionally and what meaning she put on things and how she disregarded those. Like she was the Stepford mum, the Stepford wife, the Stepford daughter, the Stepford everything. Everything was perfect in her life, but she never, ever addressed those issues. And um, I I just want everyone to have an opportunity to watch this video or this Mm. um, documentary because I think that it will give them an idea of that what you said, Karen, what happens in the mind is then expressed in the body. And so many times all we're doing is looking at the physical and not thinking about what we're thinking or how we put meaning on something or um, the distractions in our life or the grief that we've had in our life or feeling what Kim feels, you know, when she looks at a rose or smells rose or, or sees something um, and we don't, we don't go through that. I think, I think there's a real truth, a real... We have to be our truth in these moments because... You know, I was talking to a friend the other day and we were talking about sometimes you don't know how to get through these moments when you're actually in that, mm-hmm. the pain of it. But unless you're really truthful when... Panic. Yeah, when we panic or whatever. <laughs> God, but I sorry. think sometimes, like even in that moment with Howie, with you in the, in the gorge going, don't go there, was enough to pull you back and be your truth and stand mm-hmm. there rather than fall apart. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day that said, well, I, well he, he's a friend of a, a mutual friend we all know, but he, he thinks because he goes to therapy, he's fine. But what I've learned is in his therapy, he doesn't actually tell the truth of what's going on in his life. He tells what he wants to say in order to get the responses he needs. And I just think sometimes if you're going to go down the path or the route of getting help and support or coaching or some sort of... You know, unless we're really our truth, unless we're really like you kept saying to me off air, what's really pushing this feeling? What's like you guys got there with me? I didn't know what was pushing my buttons, and it was your comment saying I love my girlfriends that then pushed me into thinking, oh my god, am I worthy enough to be here? Oh my god, I'm here. I'm actually here. Mm. To then going, oh my gosh, look at what I did, and then I went down that hole of what if and how come, and and it just all overtook me. But I think. You know, even last week when we discussed that, when those feelings come up, allow them to be like I've, I've always thought I've had to don't go there, stop that, 
don't think like that, you know, and, and tried to be the Stepford mum or the this woman, the superwoman that can do it all. And, and, and even last week, so it's even in amongst this 10 days I've been in this, last week my computer went, it crashed, my internet wasn't working, my newsletter was late. I was I was late for this, you know, for picking up Taylor from something, and I was getting so wound up that I ended up just throwing a tantrum. Really, I threw this little mini tantrum at home and just wondered what the hell I was doing. And and at the same time, I got a text from a girlfriend saying, "I'm going to Cotton Tree. Do you want lunch?" And I went, "I can't. I'm on deadline. I can't do this. I've got to do this." And she went, "If your computer's not working, why don't you just come for lunch?" And so I went, "Oh, all right." <laughs> I've got to go to Cotton Tree to pick something up anyway. I'll come to lunch. And then she said, I've ordered the fish for you and I've ordered you a glass of wine. And I thought, I don't drink wine. I don't really drink a lot. I don't need a wine or whatever. And I got there and it was the most amazing glass of wine and the most beautiful lunch. And after about 10, 15 minutes of being there and getting out of my little tantrum, I actually came back to my truth again, which was a person who loves life, not someone who thinks life sucks. Which, But see, all of that is about, all of that is... You know, when life sucks and we're feeling like shit, it's because we're anticipating what's going to happen next. We're anticipating what it's going to be like. Because when it, this is when things are going well, we think that it'll last forever. When things are going crap, we think that it'll last forever. So we always think that everything's going to last forever. And therefore, we're never present in the moment of just what actually is in the moment. And if what is in the moment is a computer that's broken down and an internet that's what not working, sweet! I mean, totes, awesome, balls. Like, that just actually means I get a couple of hours off because everything's not working. So if we could just be in the present moment of what's just here in front of us is an opportunity and then there's a lunch invitation, well, now that's, op- that's opportune. That came at the perfect time. Nice work. And then once lunch is over, what's present? Well, what's present is a need to go back and work because I've got deadlines that I need to meet and I'm about an hour off it, so best I go back. And to just be in the moment of what's there allows us to experience the texture and the richness of life. But when we're worrying about what's not going to happen, what's not going to get done, what's you know, then we're still, we're again off into the pres- off into the future, and not present to the moment and missing it. Well, what did we say? It's a distorted relationship with time. Oh my God! Absolutely, that's mm. so bloody fabulous. That mm. stress is just a distorted relationship with time. Mm. Where did you get that from? Because that was just gold. It was. It was. That was just gold. I posted that on Facebook, and I got like seventy-five comments of people going, "Oh my God, I needed to hear that." Because mm. we're all the same, aren't we? I mean, you know, you can. And just at that moment, way. you've brought up questions in my mind, and that well. What is the purpose of our life? Why are we here? What happens when we die? You know, is there purpose to race through life and race in our cars and 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 do all what we do? Or, or is there a, a higher purpose that we have forgotten and we don't know? And, and I want oh, to ask you, is, is it because we're trying to get more of those moments of presence? Wait a second. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm going to say it anyway. If we're asking, holy chisel if we're asking what the purpose of life is we're not present because if we're asking what the purpose of life is we're wanting to know what it is long term Mm. we're off into the future so the purpose of life there is no purpose of oh my goodness i don't even know where this is coming from but the purpose of life is there is no purpose the only purpose that exists is in the present moment Therefore, what are we experiencing in the present moment and are we present to all the juice and all the texture and the richness in the present moment because that is the only, pro- that is the only purpose is for this present moment to be fulfilled. 
And right now my heart is bursting. Yeah. Right now my heart's... Um, I'm going to tattoo that on my forehead. I think so. Because that's what I feel right now. I feel, okay, the purpose right now is that my heart bursts. And it, you know, and it does burst for you too. And, and that's where we started with this podcast is that I said that I loved you. And, and I really, I really do. And yeah, we've just come full circle again. So I'm just saying my heart's bursting. And I'm crying. Oh, and so <laughs> now, <laughs> Karen had to go down and get the toilet paper because we've got no tissues. <laughs> You all know what I'm like about toilets. Ah, yes, she hates them. That's so, <laughs> so grateful. Mm. In this very present moment, I'm so grateful I'm here. I'm so grateful that you two are in my life. And I'm incredibly grateful for our beautiful listeners that give us mm. incredible feedback mm. to have us keep doing these. Because if there was no one listening, we wouldn't be doing these. There'd be oh, no well, one. I think we would. <laughs> We'd get together anyway and talk. <laughs> Well, we would, but we wouldn't be recording it. No, no, you're right. And I was thinking the other day as I was tucking my children in, stroking their hair and looking at the texture of their skin and holding their hands and looking at their fingernails and remembering when I used mm. to cut them when they were babies and, and I stuck my finger in Taylor's ear and, and she was going, Mom, and then I kissed her on the neck and, and she was like, Mom, and I went, let me in. That's our joke that I was let me into her neck and I was doing the whole thing and we were laughing mm. and laughing. And then in a moment I thought, gosh, if I had gone, at least you'd have 68, 69 podcasts to listen to my voice to. But, you know, like the lessons we've learned from each other, you're their aunties. Mm. You know, the the tribe that we're in, this beautiful community that we're all in, and all our listeners are part of that, is is incredible for our children and and for the next generation. And, And, like, we've learned from you know the Eckhart Tolls or the the great grandmothers and grandfathers or what we've learned but I will finish by saying that you know after I said to my children are you sure you're loved are you sure you're you know when you're tucked in at night that you feel that everything is okay that you've got a good life and they're like yeah yeah everything's fine like whatever mum and um but the next morning as I was making breakfast Taylor made the comment and said you make the best breakfast mum I always got a school feeling like you make love you, you make food with love, yeah. not make love with food. Although that could be oh, a yeah. 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 Don't go there, don't go there. She had to go there. She did have to go there. And I'm visual. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Last time I had dinner at your place. Put that out there. Well, Jacob turned around and he goes to me, Mum, you know what you were saying last night, um, you know, about, you know, are we okay and are we loved? He goes, Mum, I'm a little bit, I probably don't sound like I love you or that it doesn't sound like it's meaningful enough and we probably don't tell you enough, but we really do. And Mum, we're like that because I know that you're there. Even when you're not here, you're there. Mm. And he goes, had you gone, I don't know if I could live, Mum. And that's what I want you to know. And I went, right, well, I'm quite glad that I'm here. So let's just, you know, like it just was, you realise that they are affected by it. They don't have to say it, but just that gratitude and I'm so grateful I've got a mum and a dad and, a, and people in my life and and I think maybe out of this podcast the thing we should all go and do at the end of this or when you finish with it is go and send a text to someone that you adore or write a card or ring that person that's on your mind or just go and tell your girlfriends to get their butts over here and open a bottle of champagne and just tell each other how much you love each other and maybe what are the moments that bring true presence into your life or even share with us on Facebook what have you been your near misses and learnings from mm. that. And um, yeah. 
<laughs> presence of mind. I think it's incredible. And thank you both for getting me through that. <laughs> what a podcast. What a podcast. But I think we've all got something out of it today. I'm ringing my mum as soon as we get off this podcast. I'm yes, my yes, dad. I haven't rung him in a couple of days. Yep. Very mm. important. Anyway. I'm going home to New Zealand in a week, so I'm going to tell them in person. Oh, good on you. <laughs> good on you. Mm. So this has been quite an emotional podcast, but we really want to hear how you've experienced it. What, what was going on for you throughout the course of this podcast? What moments did you, what moments did you have? What were you, what did you become present to in this podcast? And I think that's, that's really what, um, where the juice is. What moments were present for you? What did you experience? Please write it on the Facebook page and you'll find us at all the W's dot facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. You can also post on the wellness couch page, which is all the W's dot the wellness couch.com forward slash up for a chat and join us here next week. Make sure you post your comments. Don't leave us here hanging emotional for nothing. (laughs) And join us here next week and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world one moment at a time. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.